I didn't do the countdown. I'm a failure. I, I, I pushed the record it's button okay. and the stream button, and then I uh, realized I had forgotten the countdown. So, uh, sorry for that accidental failure on the uh, theme song there, guys. Well, anyways, welcome. We are live. So, hooray. Let's start drinking. Because being live isn't really living without drinking, right? I mean, some would say yes. Mm-hmm. But only some. All right. Hello, Internet. My name is Spamoman. As always, your host of Drink to the Past and also uh, the only podcast where I uh, change my name halfway through the podcast, apparently, uh, <laughs> because I've decided, hey, let's try the go by my Internet name thing. I don't know if that is confusing for some people. Sometimes I feel like it is that I go by... Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, and also as Spamoman, so I'm like, maybe I'll just... Sean Michael Patrick Thompson at Spamoman. Yes. So, that's me. Oh, Spam. Spam-O-Man, oh, Spam. That's your official handle. Yes. Spam-O-Man, oh, Spam is my official Twitter handle, so if you want to follow me there, then check me out. I have all sorts of great content, like plugging this podcast and saying dumb shit about beer. Uh, so... Let's, let's get drinking to that. So today's first beer of the week is my Sad Panda Coffee Stout, which has hilarious Sad Panda artwork. This is from Horse and Dragon Brewery. Uh, it's hard to get that in focus, but uh, Horse and Dragon is... I've had a few of theirs. They're from Fort Collins, Colorado, so just a little north of where we are. We drove through there one time, and we stopped at McAllister's, McAllister's. Deli because we were trying to find a Bennigan's that was on Chris's outdated GPS, and we were super excited because we were like, I thought they were all gone, and it turns out that, yes, they were all gone. So we drove around for a little while looking for something else and found uh, McAllister's Deli up there, which uh, hopefully they're doing Surprisingly okay. delicious. Yeah, yeah really, really, really good. Very tasty. So if you're ever randomly in Fort Collins, Colorado, check them out. We have a concurrent viewer. Woohoo! Go us! So anyways, uh, let's let's start drinking that. I forgot to drink something drink stupid first, but my stupid thing is not particularly stupid this week. There's another local craft, uh, which you have some of this, Chris. Because uh, uh, my brother gave us... Well, he gave me this Christmas present of this badass awesome Zelda flask. It's actually got the Drink to the Past name engraved on the back. And... Um, so this was in a strange twist of fate. Somehow he ended up getting two from this guy on Etsy. So uh, check out Bella Vita Gifts on Etsy, and they apparently do badass engraved flasks, among probably nice. other stuff. So check them out. And uh, yeah, I figured as long as I had two, I'd give one to the other Drink to the Past guy. So uh, yeah, and I, I filled it up for you. Merry Christmas. Uh, have you tried that yet? Thank you, Sean. I have not tried that. In fact, I was going to save it to open it on this, I'm like, wow, yes. holy crap. So that this is, is Talnua, which is a little distillery beautiful. up the road from us here in Arvada, Colorado, uh, which is uh, the only... Uh, uh, how did they put it? The only Irish-style single-pot still whiskey maker in uh, the United States. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's got a lot of Irish inspiration and a lot of American let's go out and do it-ness is kind of how they advertise themselves. This is my favorite whiskey since they opened. So I am super excited to be having a sup of this with you. 
and raise a dram. Whoops, it killed your capture card. Oh, it did? Oops. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, it's just, just, swig this straight, it's just trying to go to sleep because uh, uh, I hadn't pushed anything on my Switch for a minute. So, uh, yeah, well, we're going to be streaming some Fire Emblem here because I got some Fire Emblem. Uh, so that's going to be that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So I like Sean, that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, like check out whiskey. Kalnua whiskey. Check out Sad Panda Coffee Stout. And uh, yeah. Mm. Also, don't forget to share and subscribe and ring the bell to get notifications every Friday when we go live. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. So um, there comes a time every now and then where we have to shut the fuck up about video games for five seconds because something more important is happening in the world. And uh, that that seems that to have accidentally happened this week. Two days ago. Uh, yeah. Which for people who are listening to this in the future, uh, that would be January 6th, 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, we had an attempted coup that's and it's still kind of ongoing there's still a chance for it when these things happen they don't tend we're not we don't tend to be out of the woods until all the complicating factors are dealt with uh we had people flying confederate flags in the state capitol building uh, after they chased out the representatives and senators and uh, the vice president mm -hmm. and threw the American flag on the ground to replace it with a Trump flag. Yeah, that's... It's, it's one of those things where I feel like no matter where you are politically, this is just not something that should be acceptable behavior. You know, breaking into the the capital of the United States should is a crime, right? Yeah. And and I feel like all of these people should be held responsible for their actions and be put to justice, whatever that may mean. Uh, and you know, the level of severity is obviously wildly different. You know, because it's like some people were just taking selfies and being asshats, and some people shot a person. So it's some some people brought zip die handcuffs and because they were planning on kidnapping and assassinating legislators mm -hmm. of which we have unfortunately a huge amount of photo evidence mm -hmm. uh, both good and bad because these people thought they they live streamed this took photos because you know that's a smart thing to do mm -hmm. they were riled up and driven there by a speech by Donald Trump. And, uh, this was his coup attempt, and we know this because of the lack of security around the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not claiming Sean speaks for me or anything. Sean, Sean's perfectly capable of speaking for himself, but they, when governors tried to call in the National Guard to aid the Capitol to clear out the uh, domestic terrorists and insurrectionists, 
uh, they were denied for up to 90 minutes until uh, Vice President Pence managed to call in the guard himself while he was hiding out with the rest of the legislators. Mm -hmm. And because this was such a clear example of a coup attempt, I would, I would continue throwing my hat in the ring to condemn all the actors in, involved, including Donald Trump, and want the House to proceed with impeachment and the Senate to remove him. Otherwise, this will rear its head again, and it will be uglier next time, and it will be more likely to be successful. Yep. It's one of those things where he, like, told them to do it, and they did it. I feel like it's completely undeniable that he is, like, to blame for this whole insurrection. Uh, and normally here on Drink to the Past, we just avoid politics in general, but this was something that we kind of felt was like, we we got to talk about this, you know, just, just bring a little attention to it. I, I, I'm... I'm sure there's enough attention on it already, but you know, everyone. I, I don't think it's something voice... that we should ignore. A lot of times, I try to ignore politics in general, but yeah, this is and... one of those few times where I'm just like, okay, it's it's not something that you can ignore. If this is just going to be tolerated, then who the fuck are we? And I feel like, even with our little public platform we have, I feel like when we have the platform like this, it's important to say, no, this is not how things should be done. Mm -hmm. At this point, this is, I would say this is political, but it crosses over the realm of political and to the point where we can't avoid talking about it. We have to talk about it. The responsible human beings. Mm -hmm. And I guess with that said, uh, should we move on to less serious, less awful things. Yeah, I think that sounds like a wonderful idea, don't you? Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's get into the news and booze here. So news and booze is brought to you, as always, by booze. Drink up. Let's, let's, let's all have a drink. <laughs> I'll have a drink. I'll drink to that. Get, get, get my drink sign out. You stole my uh, catchphrase. I'm pretty sure that means I have to drink. I'll drink to that. Fuck. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start drinking beer here. If I keep sipping that whiskey too fast, that's gonna. That's oh yeah, gonna I, I just took a little sip of that yeah. whiskey. That stuff's pretty delicious. Yeah, yeah. Way. That's uh, like I said, that's my favorite whiskey since it came out. I've been, you know, getting it any chance I get, just keeping a bottle on hand. It's uh, really, really good stuff. So, definitely. Mm. Uh, so this this whiskey is actually one of the few drinks that will actually I'm gonna I will actually go out of my way and give an 18. I will cheat and give it a full score. On our scale of 3 to 17, it gets an 18, because that's my favorite fucking whiskey in the world. That's the point of the scale, isn't it? Yeah, pretty that much. That you can occasionally cheat and give it an 18. Yeah, just like D&D. You never really roll three sixes when you're rolling stats, do you? I think... Let me see. Every I think I've then. rolled... <laughs> on 3d6, I think I've rolled a 17 when generating characters once, mm -hmm. and never an 18. Yeah. I have rolled a three before. 
I've rolled 18s occasionally in the 3.5 system where you got, you know, 40 or 46. Yeah. Or, or sometimes if we're in a house rule, high power campaign where you roll five D six and drop two, then, then sometimes I've got 18s, but, uh, yeah, in a three D six system, I've never got, I actually, I, I have significantly worse luck in three D six systems even as well. Uh, for some reason, like even more than is statistically probable, I feel like, cause I seldom get over like a, like a 12. And I feel like my average is usually below 10 in 3d six systems for some reason. And I'm always like, well, that's what I rolled and it's supposed to be hard, right? Let's go for it. And then I fuck up and die by marrying <laughs> that ghost and putting her to rest that bitch. <laughs> yeah. I probably could have warned you about specters. <laughs> That's okay. It was Spe- specters are pretty brutal to spring on a newly minted second level makes character. For a, makes for a good story. So uh, I'm I'm playing on my uh, Nintendo Switch right now. Uh, got my I, I got these cool Mario stickers for my thing when I got the 3D All Stars. But um, this is an interesting story that a new console is going to come out and it has caught my attention. But I'm probably not going to buy it because it's probably going to be expensive. The KF console is a real thing. This is the the KFC's originally branded video game console. It has dual Seagate SSDs for a total of two terabytes onboard storage, a hot swappable Asus GPU, and it boasts it's VR ready, has ray tracing, 4K gaming at up to 240 FPS, and to top it all off, it has a built-in chicken chamber, so you can keep your fried chicken warm using the natural heat of your computing machine. This is the apex of meme fast food video game paraphernalia. I want this so much because it is so stupid. <laughs> like, why would you want to... Like, I... As, as a gamer who has gamed for a long-ass time and has had to eat while gaming many, many times and has just eaten while gaming many times because, like, you're at a party or something, you have pizza, the controller gets greasy, right? Like, encouraging having greasy food next to your video games is probably a bad idea. Also, I'm, I'm wondering why it has a hot-swappable GPU. That's such a weird thing. It's neat that they invented it, but... At the same time, it's like, did they only invent it because the GPU keeps overheating because you built in a chicken chamber? (laughs) I, this is, I don't know whose idea this was or why they listened to them, but it makes the world just a little better knowing that this exists. (laughs) Doesn't it? This is, this is the best thing. And Unfortunately, with specs like this, with 4K gaming at 240 FPS, I feel like this is going to be an expensive console. So I feel like it's probably not going to be in my price range, but I fucking want it. So, like, what do you do, man? Uh, it's designed and built by Cooler Master also is one of the things. So this this is like a fairly serious thing like you've got seagate you've got asus and cooler master you know these are big name pc part manufacturers right they're making a legit fucking good machine too 
Yeah. Which I expected it to be just like some weird thing with like three games that's like, who even cares? But no, this is actually a legit gaming machine, and that's fucking awesome. Uh, so, so I feel like if you grew up in the era we grew up, you'd expect it to be one of those plug-and-play like Atari stick things, except this would be like a KFC stick. <laughs> but that's we're not in the age we grew up in anymore. It's a brave new world out there. You got serious gaming, a serious gaming machine from a fast food company. Right. So, yeah. Are you going to get this? Uh, probably not, but I'm happy to hear it exists. I really want to see the price point is, is kind of one of my things, but at the same time, I'm just like, how much is it going to be? How how far away from what I want it to be priced is it going to be priced? Right? Uh, I'm like... I, I'm trying to figure out how much they would sell the chicken console for. I wonder if it'll be like a boutique item where they make only like 10,000 of them. And they're like, we'll, we'll sell probably 10,000 and not anymore. Or, I, uh, I, I don't know what the And then this will become like. like one of those crazy ass scalper things <laughs> yeah they're just uh memeing yeah uh so another interesting story that came out uh kind of moving away from that is um weird wii u listings uh banjo kazooie and blast core uh which i have never heard of blast core before this listing but apparently it's another rare owned uh ip uh, which, uh, so is, it's now technically owned by Microsoft because they rare buyout and all that. Apparently both of these were accidentally listed for the Wii U virtual console, uh, on the Japanese Nintendo release schedule. Uh, they were set to release on December 30, 2020, which probably is like just a placeholder date, uh, that they put in at some point. When I this is this is speculation on my part is that they were probably in talks at some point to get these you know N sixty four games on uh or I'm not sure if Blast Core was N sixty four but uh, to get these it was. game was it okay I've, I'm guessing that they were in talks at some point to put these games on the Wii U Virtual Console and they got probably okay far in talks and then something or another happened. I don't know if it would be with licensing or with the Wii U wasn't doing well, so they decided to move to Switch with whatever they were thinking or what. But this is just super weird and interesting that suddenly out of nowhere... Uh, well, actually, it wasn't out of nowhere. Apparently, this was listed in October and nobody noticed it for a while because nobody looks at the release schedule for the Wii U Virtual Console anymore. Imagine that. <laughs> because why, why would you? Right? Because uh, they're not putting new games on it anymore. <laughs> so, and, and this is, is... So is this... Was this an accident? Yeah, apparently this was an accident. Uh, Nintendo came out and publi publicly apologized for it in... I don't remember if it was on Twitter or, or if they issued a statement or what, but... Um, uh, check out, I, I watched uh, Game Explains video for the full uh, what's going on with that. So uh, check out Game Explain, uh, and they will give you all of the information. Uh, but I still think this was just a neat 
weird talking point. So would you have played Banjo-Kazooie on your Wii U, Chris? Uh, I don't... I never picked up a Wii U. That was the Nintendo console I skipped. Yeah. Uh, but if I was there to, like, snap it up, I would definitely download both of those games and then never update or get rid of them. Uh-huh. And uh, then sell the Wii U that has Banjo-Kazooie and Blast Core on it right. as a novelty. It is hard to concentrate on on this particular mission because <laughs> I'm. It started me next to these all these shops that uh, I can go bring my units to, and they all have like good stuff for once, which is weird because most of the shops in this game have like the same shit every time, and it's just like, okay, if you need a new sword because your sword is broken, then then come come over here. So it's weird to actually have shops, but. Uh, <laughs> This is, so this is I, probably terrible gameplay that I'm giving you. I'm sorry to anybody who came to the stream for the gameplay. <laughs> I, I've been meaning to ask, uh, what's with the shopkeeper's chin there? He is a fucking hunk, and you know it. <laughs> I don't know. He looks so funny. I actually tweeted a picture of this on earlier when I like when I first saw him. I was just like, this dude just looks like so like generic macho guy it's hilarious i fucking he's got it. the blue hair though yep yeah everybody has blue hair in this game almost let me see yeah any nes has a rotation <clears throat> hmm something about that you gotta have blue hair yeah so uh and i should be able to get over Anyways, uh, next piece of news and booze is also Wii U related because uh, Netflix has been removed from the Wii U eShop as well as the 3DS eShop, um, which is interesting. I guess they didn't want to support the app anymore because those consoles are now officially unsupported. Yeah, basically. Uh, so... Which is kind of sad because uh, I've been watching Netflix in my bedroom on my Wii U and now they they haven't canceled the service yet, but they said the service will actually stop working on uh, June 30th, uh, I think. Is that what I have written there? Yes, June 30th. Um, so that's kind of unfortunate. I, I feel like I'm the one person affected by this because I have my Wii U in my bedroom and sometimes I'm like, hold on, I need to take this with me on my tablet. And you know, you know, if I get up, excuse me, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> You're drinking beer. I was, <laughs> but also usually I feel them coming. I'm like ready for it. I wasn't ready, man. So uh, what do you think about this? End of an era? I mean, the era kind of yeah. ended, like, a long time ago. And, but... End of an era. They they can't they can't support these things on all hardware, uh, all, all of their old apps forever. It just caught, eventually yeah. it just costs too much, so. Yeah, which is funny, because, like, we had Netflix for actually a long time, because uh, I was thinking about it, and the last time I... Uh, used um, Netflix on my Wii, it totally worked. And I feel like it wasn't that long ago. So I, I actually 
went out of my way and checked to see if uh, it would still work on my Wii, and it did not. So I was a little sad that it didn't work on my Wii, uh, but apparently it doesn't work on Wii, and it soon won't work on Wii U. Um, Monster Hunter Rise got a free demo, which is available now, and you can ride wyverns in a more open-world style than regular Monster Hunter games, or than most Monster Hunter games, is, is pretty much what the thing was talking about. I tried the demo briefly, um, I, I went through the first mission and it was kind of interesting, but the tutorials are all absolute shit, <laughs> and, like, in a game like Monster Hunter, I feel like you need the mercenary, or the... Tutorial. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading. You need Fire the mercy of the tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> before you get your ass kicked by the game. Yeah, you you need a tutorial that's not total shit. Is is basically what it boils down to. Uh, yeah. And I am regretful that the tutorials are total shit. I am going to look a little bit up on the map to see if any bad guys can actually get me. They're a little ways off. There's a lot of bad guys in this level. It's. That's not good. Game's getting harder on you. Yeah. Uh, so far, this game has not been terrible, but uh, there's there's a couple of things when we get into talking about it, I'll I'll, I'll bring up, uh, which so are I, just kind of things of the of the time mostly. So, yeah. uh, are you interested in Monster Hunter at all? You ever played any of those? Uh, no. the The only thing I could think of reading this was, huh? I've been running a game where all the players are flying around on wyverns and in a world where no one else has air power, it's kind of made them ridiculous. Nice. So, uh... I have a chick on a Pegasus. Pegasi are fragile. Mm-hmm. see. Does she need any more items? She's have you lost any characters permanently yet? Uh, no. Okay. Um... Partially because they made the game have a rewind feature uh, and uh, save states. So, uh, which admittedly is, I haven't been like relying on them too heavily. Like, I haven't just been, oh no, I fucked up. I've been going through, I've actually like been kind of using the save states as a, a way to like look at what's going to happen. So you can, you're not, like, surprised by yeah, enemies so I, spawning out of nowhere and taking a turn and murdering people. Yeah. Which is bullshit, by the way. Yeah, that, that sometimes still happens in this game, too, because they'll, they'll just spawn and instantly get a turn, and then, like, run across the map if it's a horse-bound, or a, 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 a mounted unit, and it'll fuck you up your day. So, um, but yeah, I've been, like, I'll make a save state right before I attack the boss just to see how much damage all of my units do because it doesn't give you a preview of how much damage you're going to do if you hit. It doesn't give you a preview of, of, of any of that like modern Fire Emblem games do. So that's kind of what I've been mostly using it for just so I can strategize. And I've had a couple of times in doing that that I'm just like, okay, so if Sita attacks the boss, how much damage will I do and how much damage will I take so that I can, you know, effectively plot out my strategy uh and then a couple of times i've i've run up to a boss and been like dink no damage and he's been like critical 58 damage you're fucked it's like oh god 
<laughs> so good thing you have power over space and time. Yes, <laughs> that is just fine by me. <laughs> I mean, it. Uh, I'm pretty happy that uh, these days games have a lot of modern. Uh, I, I don't want to call them well, conveniences is a word, but I'm also like they're better at showing you information so you can make informed decisions. Yeah. What was it? Uh, oh, data miner. Ah, yes. A data miner found that uh, Breath of the Wild NPCs are modified versions of me's, which I thought was just kind of random and neat. Uh, this is from at Hey I'm Heroic on Twitter. Uh, apparently does some amount of data mining and is a self-professed me expert. So I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, just that they modified Miis, basically, and made them the NPCs that we know in Breath of the Wild. And when you see, like, some side-by-side -side comparisons, you're like, oh, yeah, those are totally Miis. How did I not see that before? And it, apparently it some really... people have pointed this out that are like, I saw a couple of people, like, retweeting their things from, like, a few years ago when Breath of the Wild first came out. And they're like, these guys look like me's are they are they just me's and they and they totally fucking are that's funny it makes me have a way more respect for mm -hmm. that than i already had for the nintendo dev team for just making being like oh yeah we'll just reuse this code and change it up a bit and have mm -hmm. it look as good as it does yeah it's just like very fast. clever asset reuse uh to make what you need to make Why can my armored... Oh, that's not my armored knight. Oh, I, I selected the wrong unit. That's okay. He needs weapons too. So that, I was like, why can my armored knight move so fucking far suddenly? Did he level up and gain like five move speed? <laughs> that would be that would be silly. Sword Lance. He's okay. Let's see. Shall I read off the here? Yeah, if you want to, then I can focus on moving my lance, dude. Lance McDonald, man at man fight dragon on Twitter, discovers a cheat code nearly four years after Near Automata released, which warps the player from an area just after the first boss to the game's final ending. Yeah, I thought this was hilarious. So this is going to be another new speedrun category because speedruns have tons of categories already, anyways. And this one, I bet Near Automata probably has a crapload of extra ones because of how many endings it has. <laughs> so they're just like speedrun category ending a. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's what I imagine. So yeah, I thought this was kind of cool though that somebody uh, discovered a cheat code in today's day and age, and it's it's like a legit, actually difficult to pull off cheat code too, because like. You have to stand in a particular place and then, like, move and dodge and attack in the right order and stuff. So it's it's an in-depth, weird thing. I, I watched a video of it, and it's like, what? <laughs> so apparently, I, I think this person is a uh, got his hands on the code as well and reverse-engineered how exactly to make this happen, um, which is... It's, that's just kind of cool. I think that's awesome that games are still putting in weird cheat codes. Uh, they, it was even retweeted, the guy who found it, uh, by uh, Square Enix. 
that they confirmed, yeah, hey, this guy found our cheat code and this was the last secret that was left that nobody's found for four years in the game, which is kind of cool. Until you find you out about our love, next two topic. You gotta Spoilers. love the Otter game developers mm -hmm. that are willing to still include stuff like this. Yeah. Can plainly see the love they have for games mm -hmm. when they do stuff like this. Uh, let's see. A programmer, Gizaha, Gizaha, uh, from the Zeldix forums, recently discovered a cheat code for Street Fighter Alpha 2, which has been undiscovered for 25 years. Yeah, I thought this, this uh, story about Nier Automata was crazy until I saw this, and I was like, holy crap, he found a cheat code after 25 fucking years? Super Nintendo game, man. This code, you can finally play a Shinakuma. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, it, everybody thought he was just like a boss character in that version of the game. I, I don't remember specifically which Street Fighter that was because there were so many Street Fighter 2 things, right? There was Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Turbo is the one that I played most. There's Street Fighter Alpha 2. I feel like there was another Street Fighter 2 something right at the same time. So it's just, like, confusing as shit to me. But, you know, there you go. I must have gone diving through it himself or had a decompiler or something, but I'm I'm surprised that hasn't been discovered before. So. Yeah, uh, apparently this was another guy reverse engineering the code and, and figuring it out. It's also a really weird one, because this one, like, you have to be on the start screen... Uh, and plug in a second controller, put in the cheat code on the second controller, and hold the last button while the player on the first player pushes the A button to start the game, and then you have to hold down another button while you select Akuma on the character select screen. So, <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things that I legitimately don't think anybody would have ever been able to figure out without data mining and, and that kind of shit. But yeah. it's it's still just fucking cool to see this, right? <clears throat> That's pretty crazy. Let's see. Uh, and last but not least, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, will be getting a physical edition for Switch and PS4 via limited run games. Pre-orders open January 15th. Also coming to Xbox One at a later date. Uh, Goddamn. Yeah, so I know what you and me are spending our money on on January 15th, right? We're going to have to play that shit online. Do a stream of yeah. it or something. That'll be fucking fun. I'd play it. Yeah, I'd play a stream of that with you. Yeah. Uh, and and just the fact that it's getting a, a physical release is, is so cool because it was a digital only, you know, that everybody thought was just doomed to be stuck on PlayStation 3 forever. Uh I, I, I was hearing reports, apparently, that people were selling their PS3s that had the game pre-installed for extra money because it had this game. So I'm like, wait, this is actually maybe more popular than I realized it was. Or at the very least, it's like, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's more demand for it than I realized. So I thought that was super cool. It's also getting, uh, if you look out the Limited Run Games website, you can check out all the details. 
but it's got um, two different uh, special editions, and they come with all sorts of neat stuff. One of them comes with like a Sega Genesis style clamshell case for the game, uh, and uh, holy shit! Yeah, I'm like that's cool, and it comes with a soundtrack CD, and then the upgraded version comes with a soundtrack CD and a soundtrack cassette tape, and I'm like, yes, oh my god, I want that. But I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to spring for the the upgraded because the the regular game I think is thirty five bucks or so, and then it's like fifty five for one special edition and one hundred and thirty for the other one or something along those lines. It's, it's something close to that. So, uh, uh, definitely check that out. If you are interested in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. And if you are not interested in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go, go just go play this game. Even if you I mean, have... they may have not like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the movie or, you know, Scott Pilgrim comic books. Right. But I mean, even if you legitimately don't like those, it's still just a good, Beat em up, right? It's one yeah, of the best a, beat em ups is... I've ever played, and four player co op in a beat em up is so much fun as well. Because uh, I remember that's how we played it back in the day. You know, that was like the only time I was excited that you had a PlayStation Three. <laughs> PlayStation, yeah, it says more about says more about the PlayStation Three than it says about uh, the game. I'm afraid, but yeah, the game is still pretty fucking good. Yeah, because we went over to your house like. Every time we were over at your place for a while, we were playing that game until we beat it. And I think maybe we even got some of the alternate endings and shit and unlocked the characters. I, I don't remember all what we did, but we did a bunch of cool shit. So, yeah, super excited to see that coming out. I am all over it. And that is it for our... Uh... News and booze. All right. That's all. Perhaps I shall wipe out these news and booze topics unless you. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and delete those and then I don't have to scroll down. <laughs> so... Also, the timestamps on this video is going to be pretty screwed up. Oh, yeah. I forgot the timestamps, huh? Well, am I using family friendly language? Uh, you're drunk. 38. All right, so our table topic today is... Uh, do we want to do the table topic first or the video game topic first? I had had it Let's in my video game we were going to do the video game topic first, but uh, we apparently didn't. Because so, I, I forgot to reorder them. First. So, yeah, so uh, what you been playing during the break? So uh, let's go into Fire Emblem as long as I'm streaming that, because that's one of the games that I've played the most throughout the break. Um, maybe not the most, but... Most recently, this has been, like, my go-to game. Um, so I'm on, like, Chapter 8 or 9 or something. Uh, and it's it's really cool to see uh, what they had to work with back in the NES era and at the same time just how much um, of what I know as Fire Emblem was there already, day one, in in this game. There is so much stuff that I would have, like, bet money came later in Fire Emblem. There's so many different playable classes. The, uh, you know, counterattacking is, is all the same as it was. The system is basically the same uh, as it is, like, even in Three Houses. Um, 
I don't think it has the weapon triangle. It hasn't mentioned it. I'm not sure. I keep trying to use it tactically just in case, but it, it doesn't seem to make a large difference. But at the same time, like, for what this game is, this is fucking incredible that this was running on the NES 30 years ago. Uh, you know, I've got all of these guys, obviously, you can see right here, uh, and, and just tons more guys. There's tons of unique characters in it probably more unique playable characters than in any other nes game that i've ever played uh i don't know if it's there's kind of anything the that, of fire Apple. yeah uh and unfortunately it's lacking in a little bit of the depth and characterization that the series is known for now because it, you know there's they couldn't implement support conversations back then stuff like that there's not a lot of dialogue uh as for, it's like there's a chunk at the start and a chunk at the end and sometimes before you attack the boss he'll say something and that's about all the dialogue there is in this game so the story isn't up to snuff but at the same time for what it is it presents a cool story and uh, I'm, I'm all about this game. I am so just like floored by the fact that this shit was, you know, running on NES hardware back in the day. I'm so impressed with what they did with what little they had, relatively speaking. So I looked this up. Weapon Triangle was not introduced until the fourth Fire Emblem game. Okay. That's interesting. If, okay. So, so now your... I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, any I always feel like any NES game I see is kind of a minor marvel in terms of just them packing everything together on that tiny amount of memory and making it like a playable, not just playable, but like a fun yeah. thing. And this is like super impressive because every one of my characters has like their own inventory. Like you can see, they can hold up to four items. They all have their own stats. They all have a picture for themselves and, and all sorts of different calculations that it has to make. And then remember, which is just like, there's been, I've, I've never seen this much depth of, you know, uh, character customization or not customization, but depth of character mechanics, I guess, is for lack of a better term, uh, than in, in this game right here. So, as far as NES games go. Yeah, that's... Every once in a while, it, it, there, there's always that game that kind of stretches of, uh, expectations on any console, I yeah. feel like. I remember I was also kind of floored at the time I first played the original Final Fantasy just because of how big its world was. And this kind of has that same feeling of just like, it feels bigger than an NES game, you know? This feels almost like a retro style game that some, you know, modern indie developer on modern hardware made. Uh, like a Curse of the Moon sort of thing. Yeah, something like that, where it's like they you know, went out of their way to make a retro style game and, uh, it's, it totally works. It's, it's awesome. Uh, you know, there's a couple of little things here and there that I'm like, okay, yeah, you can tell this is an old game, but, uh, for the most part, like it, it feels so much more polished than I expected it would, uh, going in. So, 
So, yeah. Uh, what have you been playing? What's one of your games? Uh, well, I was going to... I'll, I'll save are we the one swap first on off my list. For... One after another, or are we going to... Yeah, swap off one after the other. Yeah. Uh, Duck Game, I've been playing... Played some of that over the break. Okay, is that uh, like which Untitled pre- Goose Game, but you're a duck? Uh, it's closer to like a one-hit-kill Super Smash Brothers, except that you have to pick up weapons off the stage, and they recently updated it for eight-player mode. Huh. Neat. Uh, and it's a it's a bunch of fun because it's pretty insane. If you get hit once, you die. But uh, so it's always a mad scramble to pick up whatever weapon and make best use of it mm-hmm. and figure out how it works. And you can definitely pick up some stuff that's really powerful, like the Nerf minigun that will eventually overheat and shoot flaming darts out uh, and catch other people on fire. Or or you can pick up totally, not just useless, but like worse than useless, actively suicidal things, like the backwards-facing gun. And, and if you fire it, it just shoots you in the face and you die instantly. <laughs> which is really easy to do when you're running around. Uh, and trying to scramble for weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I've had a lot of fun playing that in multiplayer. All those game, all the rounds are usually really short, and then you just play to the best of ten, or you mm-hmm. play to whoever gets to ten points first wins. Nice. Uh, just kind of a fun game to screw around with. Yeah, sounds like it. That's, that's just sort of a wacky concept. I kind of dig it. Um, oh, and you're, of... you're all ducks wearing funny hats. <laughs> That's amazing. I always wanted to be a duck wearing a funny hat. So what's uh, what's your next game on the list? There? Um, first of all, I think we forgot to tell us what beer you were drinking, you bastard. Yes, you and we also forgot it. to introduce me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, this is my should... co-host, Chris... Hi, I'm Chris, introduced in the middle of the podcast, Audette. Uh, nice to meet you. I'm drinking a peanut butter graham cracker porter, which I have a lot of these on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to have uh, a go-to. It's my second favorite peanut butter stout. Or second favorite, not stout, it's a porter. My second favorite peanut butter dark beer, I would right. say. All right. The, uh, you've been drinking that milk stout peanut butter? Who, who makes that? Left hand? Uh... I've been making, yeah, I've been drinking a lot of the left hand milk, st- okay. uh, peanut butter, chocolate milk stout. Yeah. Uh, this is Denver Beer Co. Though. Yeah, both of those are really good though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so definitely like, would I recommend. Slight, I slightly prefer the left hand over this one, but they're both very good beers. I I, I would highly recommend either. You mm-hmm. can't go wrong with either. Nice. Yeah, so check them out if you're in the market for a. Peanut butter beer. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, what do you rate that beer? Um, and I will rate my beer, which is my Sad Panda Coffee Stout, which is actually really good, too. Um, I'll rank this beer a 15. It's solidly an above average, if not it, it, good, great, maybe not true, truly, truly excellent, but a great beer anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my Sad Panda, I'm going to give that a good 15. That's a really tasty stout. Um, Really good coffee flavor. Um, 
generally malt forward and, and really, really roasty. Uh, you almost get uh, like a chocolate covered coffee bean kind of flavor out of that, uh, which, is, which is really, really good. Sounds really good. Yeah, so check that one out as well. Uh, next thing I've been playing is um, Control, actually. I beat that yesterday. Um, so that was a really crazy-ass mindfuck of a game. I think I want to come back and... Because and, it... I don't know. It, it almost implied at the end that you could get uh, some more content if you, like, 100%ed it or something. Or it might have just been teasing a sequel or DLC. I'm not sure. Uh, so I'm going to look into that. But uh, it's it's the kind of game that I wouldn't mind going back and, and finishing up some of the side quests and all that. Because the side quests are all kind of interesting. And, and the more you kind of explore and find collectibles, the more you really learn about the world building and all that. And it's just such a crazy, like when I first started playing it, I was just like, this feels like playing a Christopher Nolan movie. It's that kind of mindfuck sort of thing where it's like, what's real? What's fake? I don't know what's going on. You know, it's like, uh, so it's. If you're into Christopher Nolan movies, then this is definitely the kind of game that uh, would be good to check out. Um, really, really good gameplay, too. Just if you want a good action game, it's not super long. I think it was like 15, 20 hours. Uh, and the action is super cool. You get a lot of crazy-ass powers uh, and... and uh, different gun upgrades and stuff and the, it's got like light RPG kind of elements where you're kind of customizing your gun and stuff like that and upgrading as you go but it's it's never overbearing with it it's got a skill tree which I've complained about those a little bit but again it's not an overbearing skill tree and it's not like I, I don't feel like there's a wrong way to build your skills it's just like you put points into the things that you use most and you'll be fine and it'll it'll be really cool skill trees done right yeah. uh insanity youtuber clickbait thumbnail yeah cause, and because it's like it gives you basically all of your major abilities that you have for combat you can put points into and if you just don't put points into one of those abilities and don't use it, it doesn't matter. So it's just like the skill tree works no matter what playstyle you have. Because like I pretty much never used my melee attack, so I never upgraded my melee attack and I used my other attacks and I was fine. But I feel like if I had liked the melee attack better, then maybe I would have used that more instead of my gun. And that would have been fine too. So it's like... It's such a well-designed kind of system. I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, are, are, are you done? Because I could move on to Medieval um, TF2 over here. Hmm. Well, whatever that is, it sounds neat. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I would give Control a go, is, is all I'll say. It's, it's it's on Game Pass, so if you got Game Pass, go oh, check it out. Goat. Yeah. What? Really? I mean, that's high recommendation. What is? Goat. What about goats? Did you say you'd give it a goat? I'd give it a go. 
Uh, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. I misheard you. Um, it's. I'm gonna drink for that. Yeah, how dare you? It's it's. I don't know. It's not a goat, but it's it's a really really good game. I feel like it could be a goat for somebody. It's uh, it's, it's also kind of got uh like Metroidvania elements too, because as you go through the story, you get new abilities and then and like new clearance cards, so you can go into like through secret doors and shit later. So. Um, it's, it's got that going for it as well. So, uh, if you're into, you know, that backtracking, you know, go through your, uh, area again with new stuff. If you're into the Metroidvanias, then that's another note that I think it hits on pretty well. Okay. So it is a game of, it's a, it's a game of good. It is a game of good. It's a gog. Not a goat, but a gog. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> uh, so I've also been playing uh, Mordhau, which is basically medieval Team Fortress 2. Okay. But uh, you are far less likely to die to a sniper and far more likely to die to somebody who's just better at the game than you. Mm -hmm. Because you were in a sword fight with them. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it's got a pretty incredible, it, it kind of medieval combat, uh, system going on where it's, uh, you have a lot of different options for how you can attack, block, uh, like faint, parry, chamber away, blow, stab, and like swing at people from different mm -hmm. angles. Is this guy sexier than the shopkeep? Uh... Let me give him a look. See, uh, no. And I, I say this as a say this as a straight dude. No. <laughs> yeah, he's. I don't know. Just some of the some of the character art is like great in the pixels, and some of it is like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but what does he look like with the bandana off? I don't know, man. Maybe he's a cancer patient. Maybe that's a dick question. He's a cancer patient. He's gone through chemo. He's gone through medieval chemotherapy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's what they did back in the day. It was it was uh, more hardcore than like regular chemotherapy. But yeah, Mordhau's. I've been having a ton of fun with Mordhau. Uh, and it's kind of got some of the fucking around atmosphere where people just come out and start playing loots. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll be like, hey guys, we need to capture the point, and you'll just have three people playing loots and doing nothing else while other people are dancing around them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I've been having, been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, what's your next game? Awesome. Um, my next game is Near Automata, which we were talking about a little bit ago. It was surprisingly short, um, it, but it's got one of its kind of shticks is that it's uh, got a ton of extra endings that you can go back and, and play the game again and uh, see what different things you can do to unlock different endings. And I thought about it and I was like, it was it was really, really fun but I kind of feel like I could just get the content, you know, by just having one longer playthrough, right? Like, I would I would sit through a 40-hour game before I would sit through an 8-hour game four times, right? 
is is kind of the way I'm looking at it. And I, and I, I, I'm not sure I've ever really thought that way before, but it's, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. I beat the game now, right? I'm done, but I'm not done. Cause there's so much more I could go back to do. So I, it's a game that I want to come back to again at some point as well. Um, really it was, it was just a phenomenal game on, on all levels. Gameplay is incredible. It was, um, developed by platinum games i think in conjunction with square i don't know all the details it was it's got the platinum games logo and the square enix logo when you load it up so uh if you like platinum games action games then definitely this is a good one um i haven't played much else by platinum games but uh they they have a reputation for making good action games so um you know, for, for whatever that's worth, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so that really the combat was super unique. There's several different weapons you can equip and, uh, no matter what you have, it's, it's all pretty easy to kind of get into and, and just kind of fight your way through enemies. You can also, you also have like a robot drone behind you that you can use different abilities on. So he gets different abilities. Like he's got like a machine gun most of the time and he can also shoot a giant laser or he can give you a shield or different things as you go through the game. So it's, it's very diverse. And one of the things that this game does that's really, really cool is that it, um, takes, uh, it, it, it kind of shifts gameplay style, like at a whim, like when you first start the game, you're in this top down, like Galaga style flight simulator shooty thing, right? With some bullet hell kind of elements and you're shooting around and then it, it kind of opens up and you, you stop there and there's like different enemies coming at you. And now you've got like instead of just being a back and forth shooter now you it gives you the tutorial that you can hold the right thumbstick in any direction to shoot in any direction while you move in another direction and so now it's kind of got two different sort of takes on like flight simulator shooter uh bullet hell yeah so it it cool. and it it kind of shifts between both of those sometimes and then sometimes you're on the ground and it's an action RPG, right? And you're, you know, using your swords and your robot with the lasers and stuff and kind of combining those. And then sometimes you'll get into just side-scrolling areas where the controls are the same, but now it's in a side-scrolling kind of mindset. And it's so cool just how radically it seems the gameplay shifts without actually shifting that much. And it, everything just feels supernatural. It has such a flow to it. It's so good. Um, ridiculously fun. Uh, and the story was pretty good too. I mean, like, it's a little kind of trippy and bonkers, but, you know... If you're into that kind of thing, it's it's a fun story as well. Definitely you're fun enough to get you into it. Is a game I've heard nothing but good things about. I think mm -hmm. that one is one I should add to the ever-expanding, never-ending list of games to play. Yeah. But, uh, it should be on there. I feel you, bro. I have a lot of those myself. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, there will never stop being too many great games, will there? No. No, there will not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is It is 
just a fantastic game. Um, not very long to beat the first time if you want to get the general idea of the story. And then you'll get a lot more depth to the story too is one of the interesting things about replaying because through the additional endings you get different uh, like, like minutiae on the story. So that's kind of neat. Uh, I haven't replayed it again yet, but it's, I, I kind of looked at it into it a little bit to see like, you know, how much you have to go into it to really get anything out of it. But it's, 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 it's a, a cool idea, I think, to get, you know, have a not very long game that you can get different things out of if you play it through a few times. Uh, but at the same time, I'm still just like, I wish a little bit that I could just like play one game, you know, and, and just have it be longer. But yeah, I don't know that maybe that's just me. This guy is a bow guy. I thought speaking of not very long games that you can play multiple times to get different things out of to a certain point. Uh, how's your undertale series been going? Um, I haven't posted any of those in a while, uh, but I've, I've only been playing that on, uh, video and stream so you can see literally all of the undertale that i have played on our youtube channel check that out if you're interested in some undertale gameplay and me drinking every time something weird and random happens which is all the time <laughs> which makes it super fun to just like every five seconds i feel like i'm just drinking it's like it's so fucking silly it's awesome uh like basically anytime sans says anything I'm just like, okay, drink up. Sans is a pretty great character. <laughs> He's hilarious. Uh, so I have, I had played this game for just a short period of time, but it was able to make the list because uh, I have another Discord where when I joined in on this Discord, I heard two of the people in this Discord kind of screaming, and these weren't like normal screams these were like almost little girl screams of fear nice uh because of what this game was doing for them mm -hmm. and it was a co-op horror game pa uh, pacify is and i was thinking you know what i may as well play this and i gotta admit it got the heart rate up a bit it was it's a uh kind of an intense experience cool very very difficult uh you have like this Japanese ghost girl chasing you around the house while you're while you're trying to like cleanse it, uh, cleanse these evil dolls. And I think there's other scenarios I have yet to play, mm -hmm. uh, but they are very effective at making her just zoom at you and scare you when she shows up. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, I'm I'm not sure the scare factor stays for long. But uh, I, I, I had some fun with it, so it was worth talking about. Nice. Uh, what's the next game back there? That looks like a game that I played in my childhood. It does? Age of Calamity? Oh, no. I was looking at, at the game past that. Never mind. I, didn't, I still oh. <laughs> have yet to play Age of Calamity. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're slacking, man. I've had a whole uh, thing on it. Actually, uh, two nights ago... 
I sat down and I finally finished the last mission. I have officially 100% completed Age of Calamity. Every single mission. And that last one was a pain in the ass. Uh, um, so it's... This game is just so good. I've, I I mean, we have a whole cast on, on why I love it. And uh, just, uh, you know, a couple of little niggles with it here and there. Uh, we have some other guests. Actually, uh, David, who is on that podcast, is going to be joining us next week. So uh, check him out. Uh, he's uh, You can check out some of his uh, fan fiction content on ZeldaDungeon.net. He's an awesome dude. And he's going to be joining us next week. Um, but anyways, yeah, Age of Calamity is is super cool that I've uh, 100%ed this uh, now. And because I, I don't think I ever would have uh, 100%ed the original Hyrule Warriors just because there's too much content, right? I've played that game, I think, probably for more total hours than I have Age of Calamity. And I'm nowhere close because of how much content there is in the adventure maps and shit. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see just how much uh, content there is in the game anyway. And to see it, it's a little bit more digestible in Age of Calamity than it was in um, in the original Hyrule Warriors. Uh, but it's, it's still just super fun. I really love the combat in that game just just the story is really good for what it is uh it's not what i was expecting uh but if you want more information on that then you can check out our spoiler cast on that a few episodes ago um it's uh but for what it is it's it's a fantastic game if you're a fan of zelda or muso check out this fucking game man uh it is my favorite muso game which might be a little bit biased because i am a big fucking zelda fan uh, but, you know, it's, it's just a great game. Like, gameplay-wise, it is absolutely fucking awesome. So I'm a little sad that you have not played this through, Chris. It's but, a game that I will yeah. need to play. Get on that one of these days. I'll, I'll do to, online co-op with you if they that. ever put on online co-op on that game. Which I have no well, idea. Well, speaking <laughs> of online co-op, I've been playing quite a bit of Divinity Original Sin 2, which has up to four-player co-op and has kind of the CRPG things that I like about um, mm -hmm. that. that cool. You know, I like about CRPGs, and I like about some of the old CRPGs like Boulder's Gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Except for all the battles are turn-based. Huh. And I've been playing that online with a good buddy of both of ours, Josh. Uh, cool. And... And we've kind of been running into a thing where it's... We enter combat, and then we have to figure out how to... We have to coordinate between ourselves how best to use our abilities and combat, but because there aren't really takebacks in this game, mm -hmm. it's very easy to misuse something, or to target the wrong person, or to shoot lightning at the floor instead of your enemy, or set your friends on fire. Uh, so it's... It, it's, been a, it's been a lot of fun as both an unintentional griefing engine, and also just like an in-depth uh, RPG. It's, it, it, it really does kind of have that 
playing D and D over Discord feel nice. almost. That's cool. Uh, especially because you can get the other, the rest of the party involved in. It can piss off people and get the rest of the party involved in fights that they want no part of, which is always great. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, yeah, Divinity or. Original Sin 2 came out a while ago, but we've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. So now the game that you thought uh, you were reading a little ahead on. Um, Final Fantasy 7. This is a funny story. Uh, so I was thinking about this because um, obviously I was, you know, just over the break, I was thinking about my game of the year and all, all the games that came out this year and all that. And and uh, my game of the year is still Final Fantasy VII, but uh, obviously remake version, uh, which is which is super great. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, I've never beat the original Final Fantasy VII. Am I gonna like wait through all of the you know however many chapters there are to see? Uh, you know, the ending of Final Fantasy VII, and I was like, no, I, I gotta do it. I gotta save on my PSP that's, like, pretty far into the game. So I booted up my PSP, and I tried to figure out where the hell I was, because I remember I stopped playing at some point, because I just got to a point where it was ridiculously tough to beat, like, even just the simple mobs at the level I was at, and I was like, oh man, this is so hard, I'll come back to it sometime, and then I never got around to it, and then I didn't remember exactly what I was doing, so I was looking at a guide, just trying to figure out where I was in the game, so I could figure out where to go to progress, and I, I was like, looking at all the story moments, I'm like, I'm nowhere in the story, what the fuck is going on? Turns out I'm in, like, this late game optional dungeon where, like, the bosses are harder than Sephiroth. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit! No wonder I'm getting my ass handed to me. So I got the fuck out of there, and I completed, like, two other areas, and I was at Sephiroth, and I, I finally defeated Sephiroth. Uh, part of this was also the Sephiroth and Super Smash Brothers thing was hyping me up for Final Fantasy again, and I was like, oh man, do I want to play through Final Fantasy VII Remake for a third time? And then I was like, uh, maybe I'll get my fix on this, and then maybe play some more Crisis Core, because I, I started a Crisis Core playthrough again before Final Fantasy VII Remake came out this year, and Crisis Core is super fun too, it's actually a really good game, um... And, but I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to boot up my PSP again and, and boot up my Final Fantasy seven save and, and, and just grind out, you know, I'll, I'll figure out what I have to do. I'll grind for 10 hours if I have to. And, and luckily I didn't have to. I, I actually thought Sephiroth was surprisingly easy as a, as a final boss fight. Cause I basically was just like healing every turn and throwing as many summons as I could at him and using my most powerful spells and shit, and, and I, I got him without, I feel like, too much difficulty. I don't I don't even think any of my characters died. Yeah, I, I feel like you can spend an awful lot of time grinding in those games, and then you're just like, oh, we're just going to stomp the final boss now. Right, yeah. Because I, I don't feel like I did a lot of grinding in that playthrough, when I was playing through up to that point, but I don't really remember. I, I probably was doing some just because it's Final Fantasy set. You know, that generation of games, you have to do some grinding sometimes, I feel like, so. Yeah. 
I don't know how much I did, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then uh, just to kind of go along with this, as long as we're already on the Final Fantasy VII topic, I also got Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, the remastered version is on Game Pass, so as long as I was in the neighborhood, I figured... Okay, I'll, uh, you know, boot it up, check it out. Uh, and I didn't play very much. I'm, I'm going to get back to it, though, because I've never really given Final Fantasy VIII a fair shot because my brother pretty much told me you can summon your Guardian Force and they'll do all the battle for you and kick everything's ass and there's no reason ever to not use them, which so far in the battle system seems to be true. So... Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII is a game where it was like, wow, I still am fond of it. Uh, it was very it was very trivial to break in a lot of ways just by doing easy things, which I kind of love about it actually. Uh huh. Like uh, you could just cast aura on everybody and hit triangle until their limit break came up, and then you could just do their limit break forever. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, so I haven't quite got very far in it. It's it's interesting, though. I'm a little annoyed of the school setting that you start in. It's just like... This feels like it's just such a trope of Japanese games and manga and, and that kind of thing. And it's almost just a trope in a lot of things, like since Harry Potter came out, right? It's just like school settings for things are a certain kind like i i feel like it's because it starts in a school it's going to be a certain kind of story and i don't know if that's true yet but it's just kind of a feeling i get from it you know so i gotta say final fantasy 8 does kind of have the most edgelord fanfic story of the games where you're in a school where they train mercenaries and you're the mercenary, and also there's a high school dance that you have to go to, and, and your teacher thinks you're really hot. Is that what the school is for? Because I could not figure out what this school is yeah, for. Yeah, that's I'm what like, the school is for, is for training mercenaries. What the fuck kind of school takes you to a cave to teach you how to summon Ifrit? <laughs> uh, I guess a mercenary school sort of makes sense. And, and also there, there's a war going on, and you're now part of it because you're a mercenary. And also the, the war is caused by a sorceress, and sorceress is bad. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's fucking it, it, it's pretty ridiculous when you lay it out like that but uh, I, I it's still <laughs> but right. that, that ridiculousness is kind of the charm I feel uh -huh. like that makes sense yeah so I'll, I'm gonna I'm not just gonna like give up on it it's cause the battle system itself is actually kind of interesting I so far I like the battle system uh, but it, it is weird, you know, knowing that the Guardian Force can kind of, like you said, trivially, trivialize it. Because it's, I, at, at the same time, I'm also kind of like, how much grinding is this going to need? Because, like, if you were to actually use the regular battle system, I feel like it would take a lot of grinding to just, like, find a creature with heal. And then, like, because you have to use your mechanic to suck out its heal spells or its fire spells or whatever. And I feel like at later parts of the game, that could be tedious when you're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm out of heals. Now I need to go back to some area where the creatures that actually have heal spawn. And then... So, so <laughs> later in the game, you can find places on the map to draw out, like, just 20 of 
whatever spell. Okay. But uh, it, it, it is kind of a tedious mechanic, uh, and part of what you do is you draw out up to... You, you can hold up to 100 of a spell. You draw out 100 of those spells, you junction them to a stat to boost that stat, mm-hmm. and then you just leave it alone and never cast that spell for the rest of the game for, with that character. Huh. Okay. So it's like, I, I think I had uh, Squall, I junctioned Firaga to his attack stat to boost it to maximum and then just left it alone. Mm-hmm. Which is... It, 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 how, how the game works is pretty weird. But, right. Yeah. You get used to it. <laughs> yeah, you get used to it. Right. So yeah, that's been my experiences with Final Fantasy 7 and 8 over the break. Uh, what else have you been playing? Speaking of those games, I guess you'll never you'll you'll never guess what game I've been playing. Um, Final Fantasy 9. Uh, I actually wanted to play Final Fantasy 9 earlier this week, but <laughs> I had not gotten around to downloading it and starting it up. Nice. Uh, no, synthetic. Okay. Uh, Legion Rising, mm-hmm. which is a Super interesting uh, online co-op roguelike kind of uh, twin stick shooter almost. Hmm. Except that uh, one of your sticks is a mouse, so you have like pinpoint perfect aim where you play androids trying to stop an AI from detonating a nuke, a, bu- a bunch of nukes at the center of this corporation. Hmm. And you have to fight your way to the center. Nice. And it's been... Uh, I've been playing it online with Josh. Mm-hmm. And it's been a lot of fun, because you can... It's like... So... You fire your weapon. Eventually, your weapon runs out of bullets. You have to eject the magazine manually. Reload it. Uh, hit the reload button again to get the active re- reload goading to reload it quicker. And then you can continue firing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got tense firefights where you have to be managing that in the back of your mind as you're like walking around and dealing with hordes of enemies Ooh. uh and it's got pretty insane items and like synergies so you can get pretty amazing weapons you can call in like ear strikes that just bomb an area mm-hmm. as one of like like a decently powerful but not too powerful item you get like orbital kill beams uh It's it's one of probably one of my favorite roguelikes I've been playing as of late. Uh, so yeah, synthetic. Cool. Been a surprising amount of talk about roguelikes in general lately. I feel like in the gaming sphere, uh, a lot of Hades talk, obviously. Uh, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting that roguelikes are i feel like getting a surge in popularity lately yeah i uh they they've been undergoing a surge of popularity i think ever since binding of isaac came onto the scene people realized hey these games are fun yeah uh go ahead all right i'm gonna go with uh two games that i've been doing because they're both star wars games um Uh, 
So I'm not sure which one to start with. I guess I'll start with uh, Jedi, because these are two very different Star Wars games. Jedi Fallen Order I beat sometime last week. Um, really, really fun combat. Uh, really good. Like, if you love Star Wars stories, this is one of the best Star Wars stories that's ever been told in cinema or in you know, books or whatever. Because there's, there's obviously been a shit ton of different Star Wars media throughout the years. And this is one of the best uh, Star Wars stories that, that there's ever been. So definitely worth checking out if you're into Star Wars stories. Uh, the gameplay, a lot of people have been calling somewhat like a Dark Souls Star Wars game. Uh, it, I see some of the comparisons. It's, uh, it's pretty cool um, to see you know, some of the, some of the similarities, because it's like you get to your, uh, force meditation circle, and that's basically your fireplace in, or your, uh, fire pit in, uh, Dark Souls, where you're, you know, you get there, and then, uh, that's your save level point, up your and, guy. yeah, you can level up your guy, and also, when you go there, and you save, and it, you can heal up, but it also respawns all the enemies. It's also got light and kind of Metroidvania vibes, because, like, uh, you can come back to any level and explore it at any time, and you'll get different force abilities as you go, uh, like wall running and uh, a, a double jump and stuff like that. So there's just all sorts of different neat stuff you can do as you're going through the game and it just exploring the world is fun in general. So I found like a ton of stuff that I could uh, just on my first playthrough. And just like when I was there, I'd, I'd like go out of my way to find a lot of the stuff that I could at the time. But there's, there's even more that if you, you know, come back through it's there's, there's just a ton of cool shit to find. So really just good game design all around. Occasionally, I felt a little bit like I was fighting the mechanics more than I was fighting the enemies, if that makes sense. Like, in certain yeah. boss fights, it's like, I feel like I understand what to do, but it's just a matter of... Like, because every attack that most bosses do are telegraphed somehow. And it's basically just, you see the telegraph, you react to the telegraph, and, you know, dodge out of the way, or parry, or whatever you're supposed to do, depending on the attack. Uh, and, you know, rinse and repeat until you've uh, defeated all the bad guys, basically. But, you know, sometimes I feel like it took just long enough to figure out exactly how the attack was telegraphed and it did so much damage or whatever that it was just like sometimes i felt like it was not very well balanced in that respect because you're like going through and i ended up um like dying to certain bosses a few times just because I'd f see an attack and I'd be like, oh man, I can't, you know, immediately figure out how exactly this attack is telegraphed. 
So it, it felt like it wasn't telegraphed because it wasn't obvious how it was telegraphed. And then once you kind of figure out, okay, this is the animation that happens before that attack. Okay, now I know what to do. But sometimes I felt like it did more damage than was necessary and it wasn't telegraphed obviously enough. So it, it took a few, like, it took enough times of seeing it that you had to die three times in order to figure out what the telegraph was, if that makes sense. So... I've, I feel like that's classic, almost a classic Dark Souls thing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not like it was bad game design, but it, it's a certain type of game design that occasionally was, like, really bugging me. And I was just like, stab it, stab it, just... just Show me what he's going to do so I can dodge and attack normally, damn it. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a little niggle. It's, it's not like, oh my god, the game was crap because of it. Because the game was still fun, and to an extent, this, this kind of challenge is different than games I usually play. So it's, it's still definitely worth checking out. On the flip side... Star Wars Squadrons is so different from this because the story completely takes a backseat. Like, the story is interesting. It's fine. But it's like, you're not there for the story. You're there because you want to pew-pew a bunch of TIE Fighters. <laughs> uh, it does have an interesting kind of a story mechanic where you kind of switch back and forth between the Rebel Squadron and the imperial squadron which is cool so you kind of get both sides of the story i like that uh and for the you know little bits of story that there are it's like that's that's neat uh but in between it's like the characters matter so little that it's like why are they even like why do they have faces <laughs> right like one of them actually doesn't have a face He's, like, one of the guys on the Imperial side is, like, always in his helmet because he was injured so bad that he needs it to breathe or something. And it's like, okay, that's kind of neat. But that is, like, the most characterization that any character in this game actually has, right? They all have, like, these two-sentence backstory descriptions, and that's it. That's the whole character, right? Like, on the Rebel they're side, you have... They're, they're what? They're cardboard cutouts. A little bit, yeah. Because, like, there's one of these characters on the Rebel side is totally just, like, the soccer mom on the team that's just like, I'm gonna help everybody out, and, and you can do your best. And it's just like, shut up. <laughs> and at the same time, it's also kind of funny that literally everybody on the Imperial side has a British accent because they're bad guys. All of them, except for the guy in the mask who's, who's like, got the, the, you know, been injured so bad that he can't talk or whatever without it and breathe without it, without it. So he's, that guy is the one guy without a British accent, but he talks like Christian Bale has, has been choking on gravel and is trying out for a death metal band. You know, that's kind of Why what he's they? got. It's just like... Why do they have British accents? There's such generic bad guys that it's fucking hilarious to watch the story unfold. I'm just like, look, they're bad guys. I bet they're gonna do bad guy shit. 
and I'm always right. They're always just doing bad guy shit. That's all. And then the bad guys get in the way of the other bad guys, and you're like, ah, look at that. They're bad guys doing bad guy stuff to the bad guys. That's even dumber. It's so fucking funny. It's just so stupid. <laughs> uh, but the actual gameplay is really, really good in Star Wars Squadrons. Um, the uh, there, There's one gameplay thing that I won't really say is good because it's not so much a gameplay. Th it's the, the game is made partially with uh, PSVR in mind. It's PSVR-capable game, but I'm not playing it in PSVR because I don't have a PSVR. I just have, you know, I'm just plugging in the game and playing on my TV because that's how I play games because I'm a cheap ass and I don't want to buy a VR headset right now. But, um, so there, the, in all of the cutscenes, you're standing in a room and you can look around the room because that would be cool in VR, but when you're not in VR, that's stupid. <laughs> it's it's like you're just standing there, and so everybody's just standing in the same room as you, and and like talking to you. And there's no dynamics with the camera to make the cinematography more interesting. Which I get why they did it because it would be cool as a VR experience, maybe. But, but it's, it's weird. It's still weird. just a screen. Yeah, when you're just on a screen, it's super weird. And I wish they had maybe done something different with it, but I can't think exactly of what they would have done because they wanted it to be PSVR, you know, capable. So that is what that is. It's it's nothing terrible. But uh, then also, like, between missions, you can just kind of explore around the two rooms in your base because you have the briefing room and you have the hangar where your ship is. And that's all there is to explore around this area, which would be neat to look around at all this shit in VR still, maybe. But at the same time, it's like, why do I have to push a button to go between these things? Like, you have to, like, point and click. It's like playing Mist, but for two rooms in a Star Wars setting. <laughs> it's so pointless. Uh, and then when you're talking to these characters, one of the other things that I will say about the characters before I leave that alone is that talking to the characters is pointless again and the dialogue is so fucked up it's just like they say just such random like th thing like sometimes it's related to the story and what's going on and sometimes it's just like uh you know generic dialogue for that character right like there's a there's a gambler guy and he's always about gambling and he's talking about gambling and then the soccer mom tells him, oh, you shouldn't be gambling. They got their one personality trait. Yeah. And then it's funny because they'll put multiple conversation topics into the thing. and the, and and But they won't have any segue. They'll just be like, I'm a gambler. I'm going to go gamble on this thing. Gambling, gambling. And then the soccer mom's like, oh, you shouldn't be gambling. And then they pause for a few seconds. And then they're like, Hey, did you hear this rumor? It's just like, where did that come from? What the fuck? This is so weird. And also, your um, character never talks, which is super weird, because you get to customize both of your characters for both sides. You get to customize a character for the uh, Rebels and for the Imperials. And the only time either of them talks is 
in combat sometimes like when you push the i need a you know i need the support ship to come give me a new salvo of missiles you know they'll they'll say some random thing or if you know your buddy helps them they'll the imperial guy will be like i didn't need help i'm a bad guy <laughs> which is I, I i also picked like the most gruff generic bad guy voice for him so <laughs> he just totally talks like that he's just like Mind your own business. I didn't need help. Even though I literally pushed the button that says I need help. <laughs> it's like so fucking stupid. There's such That's, generic characters that I cannot help but laugh. <laughs> it's very bizarre. It sounds it like is. very bizarre writing for this game. Yeah. But at the same time, the gameplay is actually unironically amazing. Uh, it's one of the few space uh, flight sims that I've played in a long, long time where there is no up, which is such a cool concept to me that in, in space flight games, when you're, you know, you can rotate in different directions and kind of acclimate yourself to whatever is convenient at the time. Uh, whereas, you know, you know, you get in like a Star Fox and you're on a plane and there's up, down, left and right. And, you know, even in larger explorable areas, that's still true. And in this, it's like, no matter which direction you're facing, it's correct because you're in space. There is no up, which is such a neat concept to play with in video games. And I'm, it just shocks me that a lot of them just don't bother uh, so I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Also, there's interesting customization. You get different kind of ships, you get different kind of, uh, it's, it's just really cool. It's like, and mechanically it's awesome. Uh, there's also a mechanic where you can, uh, change your, uh, like you can divert power to your shields or your guns or your, uh, engines so you can fly faster and stuff like that or you can just even them out and, and be all rounded and so situationally it's like okay i need that guy dead now and i need to i'll divert all power to my guns and, and fire all my bombs and, and shoot all my lasers and, and all that and sometimes it's like oh shit that ship's exploding i need to get out of here and you know you you all power to the engines mr scott you know <laughs> that kind of thing and it's it's so cool uh to you know divert power on the fly and, uh, you know, depending on the situation, you know, and you can actually like put your power to the rear deflector shields. If you're getting tailed by a tie fighter or something like that, it's so mechanically, it's one of the most fun space flight simulator or flight, even flight simulators, I would say does, that I have played in a long time. Does it have the screaming droid whenever you get shot? No. Oh. I have not heard my droid yet. He's he's always there because I, I as much as I can, you can have your astromech droid as one of your alternate fires. Basically, you get your main weapon and you get two alternate weapons. And in one of the slots, you can have uh, an, your alternate weapon be a repair droid that like you can like he's on a cooldown of like a minute or something. And then he can cert heal your hull a certain amount. And it's, so it's that's usually one of my go to things. But he doesn't actually make noise. R two D two thing. <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like a fun game that just has some. Uh, it has a a veneer of writing. Yeah, the writing is not great, but for what it is, if you appreciate like bad movies and that sort of thing, and can laugh at them 
it's it's still a fun like the story itself is okay but the characters within it are just so badly written so vanilla that it's just like this is so awkward to look at it's funny that that's my takeaway from it but i you know i fucking love like watching terrible movies for the sake of terrible movies so you know if if that's your thing then check it out i it, it, i'm kind of sold on it mhm uh speaking of flying games uh i also played a bit of uh, an old classic that I like to play around the holidays about every time around Christmas or so. Hmm. Play Nights into Dreams, the currently the remake on Steam. Not the Sega Saturn classic that I don't feel like dragging out Sega Saturn for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not like me. I just got my GameCube hooked up all the time so I can play Ocarina of Time. I mean, I, I should probably do something about that, but then right. I also have an ancient uh, cathode ray TV. It's mm-hmm. basically a block sitting up there, but no, mm-hmm. it's uh, Nights into Dreams was always kind of an interesting, almost bizarre game where you played one of two teenagers exploring like their mindscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and would merge with this weird dream demon creature called Knights, who looks like a jester, and kind of fly around the stage. Uh, and it was just, it's almost a meditative game. That you're just trying to mostly boost your score. There are, like, things like enemies and bosses, but they never felt like the point of the game. It was just, you collect the chips... You broke open the thing that held, like, one of the things that other dream demons had stolen from you called ideas. Mm-hmm. And then you just fly around and try to rack up as much of an unbroken chain score as you could. Well, or, you know, dance or just do loop-de-loops or whatever. Uh, and it was always kind of like... It had an excellent soundtrack... Uh, very odd visuals because it took place in a, in dreams. Uh, it's it's a game I would recommend for a very limited subset of people, but it always has hit me right. Yeah, I played that with you once because of how much you recommended it, and I came over and played it on your Saturn. It was interesting, but it I don't know, it just didn't really grabbed me, but I, I can kind of see what you're saying. It's, uh, for what it was, it seemed like it was made pretty well, but I, I just, it didn't hit me the same way it hits you for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. Different, uh, different emotional attachment, I guess. Different, different things that hit different buttons for us. got uh, the Tetris effect connected? Yeah, actually, that was what I was going to uh, go into, because you were saying it could be kind of uh, meditative to take, um, you know, get into nights, into dreams, and that's that's one of the things that is interesting about 
Tetris Effect connected. Uh, and probably, I guess, the original Tetris Effect. I don't know. I didn't play it. I think they're the same, except for connected has online multiplayer and stuff and a couple of different modes or something. So, uh, but but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. There might there might be more differences. I don't remember. Um, but Tetris Effect Connected is uh, the version I've been playing because it happens to be you know on Game Pass. So I figured, actually, when I downloaded it originally, I was just like, hey, this might be a kind of a neat. You know, I've heard you know good things about this version of Tetris, and you know, I figured it would be a good way to get my kids into a classic series, and. So I figured, yeah, why not? I'll download it and just see how it is. And I, I had no idea how much I would love this game. And I don't totally understand why I love this game. It's, like, surreal that I've never really been a big Tetris guy, right? But this one particularly, I just keep coming back to. I'm just like, I have five minutes to kill. Turn on the Xbox and play Tetris, right? For, you know, five minutes or whatever while I'm waiting for supper to cook or while I'm waiting for the oven to heat up or, you know, it's uh, just just anytime I don't have much time, I'm just like, sure, Tetris is, is my go-to game now when I have, you know, a few seconds to kill. Or, or a few minutes to kill. And and even, you know, sometimes just when I'm like, I put my kids to bed, I usually wait a little while because they might come out of their room. Uh, so I don't want to play anything like hilariously gory or anything like that. I don't want to play Doom Eternal and have them, you know, come out and see me rip the head off a demon and shove a chainsaw in his face, and, you know, that kind of shit. So I'm like, okay, you know, Tetris Effect is a, you know, a game that they can, you know, so sometimes I'll play it for, you know, 30 minutes or so before they're asleep and then I'll put in something else, uh, you know, and, uh, so I, I've, I've got a surprising amount of use just out of it as a go-to game and I've gotten so much better as a Tetris player just cause I've been, cause I think I talked about this at some point, uh, last year when we were, uh, when it came up, when I started playing it and I was like, I sucked at Tetris when I started playing this. I was, like, failing missions on the beginner mode, right? Like, every mission on the beginner mode, I had to retry, like, twice. And I've just... Now I've kind of got into a groove of it and, you know, kind of figured out the mechanics a little better, better than I ever have in Tetris because I've never been a huge Tetris guy, like I said. And now I can, like... I'm actually going through and I've completed every stage except for the final stage on expert so now i'm just like holy shit i'm actually not shit at tetris how did that happen <laughs> became significantly better yeah uh so that's that's just kind of cool that i you know it's there's visible progression with that as well that i've you know played as much as i have and then somehow got into you know actually being a pretty good tetris player i would guess to you know beat every mission on on the hardest difficulty so you know and and sometimes it's it's very frustrating when like it the bricks are moving so fast that like they like there's no time between the time that it brings out the piece and the time that it is down to the bottom right and sometimes it it feels like it's different because sometimes i feel like when you get a piece you can rotate it as long as you want and as long as you're rotating it, it won't 
drop into place so you can get it lined up for the perfect shot. And sometimes I feel like that's not the case. Sometimes I'm like, okay, it's here. I can rotate it here and get a good combo or, or set up a good combo or something. And I'm like, rotate, rotate. And it just drops. And then I'm on the next piece and I'm like, fuck, that is a terrible place. Why did you drop it? You stupid bastard. And it's like, I, I don't completely understand it still, but, but like most of the time, I, I kind of get it. <laughs> I think you can keep rotating for a long time as long as usually, the piece is still but, dropping. Usually, but but sometimes I have it where I'm like pushing the rotate button and it drops anyway, and I'm like, did I do something different <laughs> or whatever? And it's so it's sometimes that's pretty annoying, but it is what it is. And you know, when when you're up on that difficulty, it might just be the the fact that everything is going so fast that it's hard to tell but then it's like when you're paying attention to one piece that you're trying to rotate into place to and another piece drops because this piece that you're trying to rotate is now placed and you're now rotating this piece even though you're looking at the other piece it's like oh shit what wait what am i doing what piece is this where am i gonna put this and then it drops and then another drops and you're like ah now i've got like this super wacky <laughs> shitty board <laughs> and then sometimes dealing with that is like what makes the game cool though because sometimes you get like an accidental fuck up and you end up just being like okay how am i gonna get myself out of this and then you eventually get a good combo of lines or something and it works out and sometimes it just keeps fucking you up and you don't Ah. Oh, I did not expect that to be as harsh as it was going down. I've been drinking this beer mostly, and now I'm out of beer, so I grabbed my whiskey, and I'm not sure I entirely can <laughs> thought about it being whiskey. <laughs> I was, like, expecting beer, and now it's like, ah. It's still good whiskey, but... If you're not expecting whiskey, you're expecting beer. It's gonna, it's yeah. gonna hit you different. Yeah, it's like, not, not, not what I expected. Uh, I've also been playing Dota Two. All right. Uh, which is, I know you're not, you're not much of a MOBAs guy. Not really. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're interesting, but it's not particularly my thing. I I played a lot of League of Legends when it was popular because all my friends were playing League of Legends. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Well, I, I like <laughs> Dota 2 better because it, it it's it's got it goes a bit more in depth. Some of the mechanics are a bit more obtuse, but that means that there's more to the game to master as well. Yeah, which fair. is more fun for me specifically. Not not to shit on League or anything. Right. But also everything, all the characters are free, so you can just play anybody you want the beginning which is that would be kind of nice because one of my problems with league of legends is there's so many characters and like if you're just playing for free you only get them every so often right you do you save up enough points or or however it worked in game currency yeah. i don't remember but uh you'd only get a new character every so often so it's like it was kind of annoying first of all because you ended up like because i was trying to play for free i didn't really like the game enough that i felt like 
it would be justified spending real money on it. Not that it was bad, it's just like, it's not my thing, so I don't want to spend money on it, you know. It, in other games I might have, but, you know, it's like, just one of those things. But But also, like, then every now and then you're just like, playing against characters that you don't have because you'd never, you know, unlocked most of the characters. And then you end up like, um, in a situation where you're, you know, like you just don't know how to react to that character because you don't understand the mechanics because you've and never got that character you never played that character, and then you so can't you... play them to understand how they work so you yeah get... and lee that that's a problem for league is there's lots of characters where they like drop on you and you're like what the fuck just happened how am i supposed to deal with that and then yeah you don't have the experience where you can play them and be like oh that's how that works here's how i can counter this yeah and so it's not like a it's not like terrible game design but it's it's kind of annoying for a particular subset of of players which was me you know i'm like i like the game okay but i don't want to spend money on it so i'm not gonna so now other people are gonna shit all over me because i don't you know understand all of the mechanics i understand the mechanics of the few characters that i play and i understood how to play them okay uh which is funny because i also like just tried to get into the tactics of League of Legends and, and I, I went for a totally different thing and it was and that led to a lot of hilarious times in League of Legends where uh I, I think we were playing one time uh where like one of the one of the guys in our team was like cursing and swearing at me for dying so much because my strategy in general was to tower dive tower dive tower dive tower dive and i would die a lot the first several tower dives and then at a certain point i would be leveled up and i'd have all my items and i'd be unstoppable and at the end of the game other players would have more kills than me every time i wouldn't have that many player kills i'd usually have a few but i would have all of our tower kills for the team more often than not, and I would always have the most tower kills per team. Because and you would of usually... my... It was a weird, dumb strategy, but it fucking works. <laughs> it, I, I think the only reason we didn't win at least some of those games is because of the impact it had on the morale of teammates who didn't understand you were dying to the towers and not giving the enemy team gold. I don't know how League works these days. Yeah, that was a funny thing, because I would die so many times that it wasn't worth it to kill me anymore, and then they would just write me off. They'd be like, I'm not gaining anything by killing him, I'm gonna leave him alone. And then I would kill three of their towers, and they'd be like, hold the fucking phone! <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and then we'd, you know, then my teammates would be like, wait a minute, he just killed three towers, let's all go there to the fourth tower, break the fourth tower, break the base, we fucking win. But, yeah. you know, sometimes people would get too butthurt about, you're dying too much, you suck as a player, and then, you know, fucking bail on me. Yeah, they, they wouldn't coordinate, and, and sometimes we had players literally ditch us. But I think there was a game where actually two of our players ditched us, and you and me and a third rando, like, actually won on a 3v5 
because of my dumbass strategy because they quit because I was dying too much. And they, and like, I, I don't remember if, if you guys were defending me or what, if there was any more dialogue than that. But I just remember two of our guys quit and we were three v five. And then like pretty soon, immediately after I went through and I killed all the towers (laughs) and we went into their base and we fucked them up. And, he went, why did we lose? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Dota 2 has a lot of the same problems, but uh, fortunately, it doesn't have a surrender button, so, you know. Nice. Players are much more willing to stick it out through games, too. They're much less mm-hmm. giant crybabies, I feel like. Cool. So... That helps. Yeah, Dota 2 is fun. Yeah. And you can always, and the bots are competent enough that you can always play versus them if you don't feel comfortable playing versus people, so. That's kind of nice, because I don't think there were bots in League of Legends, were there? There there were, but they were, they were dumb. They were very, very dumb. Mm Mm-hmm. That could be an issue. Uh, I see a game on here that is not on my... The last game on here that is not also on my list. Yeah, uh, so I briefly started up Banjo-Kazooie because as Microsoft owns Rare, Rare Replay is on Game Pass, therefore Banjo-Kazooie is just on Game Pass. So I was like, you know, this is a classic that I've never given the time of day, really. I've played a little tiny bit of it, back when N64 was the current console at a friend's house and a little bit of Banjo-Tooie used to be in an N64 like cabinet set up at one of the McDonald's's that was local to me. So I was like, you know what? Okay. I saw it on Game Pass. I'm like, all right, I'm going to check this game out. See, see what the, the hubbub is all about. And actually legitimately Banjo 64, like it's technically the Xbox 360 version of it. So the graphics are a little bit updated just, and the, the camera controls are the big thing, I think, because I, I don't know how the camera controls were in the original, but here they're pretty good. They're better than most early 3d games. Um, and that makes a huge difference. I think, uh, but even without the camera controls, even looking past the camera controls in general and just looking at it as a game, it's like, okay, Banjo-Kazooie mechanically is everything that Mario 64 was and more. It is like so much further polished than Mario 64 was that I don't understand why Mario 64 has a legacy at all. Because Mario 64, okay, they did it first, sure, they weren't the first, but they did it before Banjo-Kazooie, but the level of polish is so far between that I'm just like, how do you even, like, like, why do you respect Mario 64 when Banjo-Kazooie exists? You know what's funny about that is I kind of feel that way about both Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie, as in, the collectathon style of game never grabbed me. 
in the same way it seemed to grab a lot of people. Although I did spend a hell of a lot of hours playing all of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Mario 64... Oh, nice. Pegasus Knights aren't useless. Yeah, I actually found that uh, the Pegasus Knight in here is pretty cool because, first of all, Pegasus Knights can move ridiculously far, and then uh, fairly early in the game you get a an armor slayer and a, a, a horse slayer, or whatever it's called. Uh, so I f- found that I could grind her up pretty easily to make her attack really good by giving her weapons that have special effects versus particular units. And I was like, oh, that actually works surprisingly well. And now I kind of, uh, you know, kick ass with her because first of all, I've ground her up pretty well. And second of all, she's got different weapons that are, you know, conditionally better against different units. So I'm like, okay, you're an armored unit. I'm going to use Sita and kick your ass. You're a horse unit. I'm going to use Sita and I'm going to kick your ass. So it's, it's, uh, that actually works pretty well. But Banjo-Kazooie, yeah, it's, uh, it, I feel like it was much more of a collectathon than Mario 64 was, but much less of one than Donkey Kong 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also and, didn't play much of that one, uh, so I can't speak for Donkey Kong 64 much, because I, I remember... I didn't have that one. The same buddy that I played Banjo-Kazooie with also had this. This guy has a name and had some dialogue there. I wonder what he said. I wasn't looking. Uh, So I wonder if I can recruit him. Sometimes you can recruit guys in this. One of the interesting things about this game also is that it gives you a shitload of units. Like, you have so many, and I guess maybe that's to account for permadeath. But you just have so many guys that at any point, I'm like, like some missions literally give you five new units at once. And you're like, what do wow. I do with all these guys? Are you going to bring a uh, Marth up there to try and talk to that guy? Maybe. Uh, sometimes it's Sita and sometimes it's other units, which is another really cool thing that is in this game that I did not expect to be in this game because the like the conversations between Marth and these other guys or or Sita and the other guys or whoever they are, you know, sometimes it's like just having the wherewithal to take a guy and be able to talk to them uh, and then recruit them is just something that no other game really did, you know? So I'm going to take Sita here, and I'm going to yeah. see if she can talk to him real quick, and then That's maybe I'll see if Marth can. still can. fairly rare in games. Oh, I can talk with Sita, so I'm probably going to re- recruit this dude. Hello there, I'm Sita of Talus. All right, fuck yeah. Heck, you cough me off guard. Like that? What do you want? I guess I would catch you off guard if some, you know, you know, hot babe enemy was just like, "Hey, what's up, buddy?" (laughs) What do you want? I have a question for you. Do you believe in love? What the shit? That matters to you. Is she hitting on this guy? You just Just hit on the enemy in the middle of. Do you believe love can blossom in the middle of a battlefield? (laughs) Uh, And and I thought we might have a chat. Oh, yeah. I'm shipping these guys. 
by telling me your name. And Roger of Grust. Roger, I want you to think about something. Those who cry because of war. We in the Arcadian League wish to put an end to fighting. What to the, the sadness, surely you can understand this. What the hell is even this conversation? I, I don't know. Like, this is the... Like, mostly they're not this in-depth. Uh, actually, a lot of them have just been like, Oh, my mom's sick and I need medicine, so I'm fighting you guys. Fight for us and I'll buy your mom's medicine. Okay. Of course I do. I don't fight because I enjoy it, but I can't betray my homeland. <laughs> Someone precious to you, Ingress. My parents have are, passed. Are you I'm done with Banjo Kazooie? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, just I thought it was a really cool game. So that's another one that I'm gonna be coming back to for a little while. Uh, as one of my go-tos, I think. I, I don't know. I have slightly too many go-tos right now because currently I'm still walking on Star Wars Squadrons is my go-to when the kids are awake. And then when the kids are asleep, I just got Ghost of Tsushima. So since I finished Control yesterday, that's going to be my next go-to for when the kids are asleep. So, okay. Uh, so I'm going to ho hopefully we'll be talking about Ghost of Tsushima pretty soon. soon. Uh, cause I'm super hyped about this game. This looks so fucking cool. And, uh, the last game on my list that isn't also on your list is Magicka, which mm -hmm. I played several years before and I've had for a long time, but I had the opportunity to replay it a bit on online co-op with friends, mm -hmm. uh, which is, it's terribly broken. It doesn't work on everybody's machines, but the game, which is a shame cause the game itself is actually a lot of fun and got the four-player co-op and you're each playing wizards who can on the fly cast different spells made out of eight different elements and like shoot arcane beams arcane explosive beams and shit like that or like hurl rocks that explode or create landmines that heal you when you step on them and also knock you backwards um and you can just do a whole bunch of stuff with that game uh and i know there's I, and so I'm like, this is how magic systems and games could always be. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a shame that the multiplayer is essentially broken and that for lots of people, it just crashes whenever they play the multiplayer of it. Lame. Uh, but there is a sequel, and I was thinking I might pick that one up at All some right. point. Let's see. And then for the last of those games on both of our lists is Among Us. Want to talk about that? Yeah, so I played Among Us actually for the first time and you played uh yeah, you played with me the first time I played. So that was that was kind of cool. Um I expected to wait for the Switch port and then I sort of did and then the day it came to Switch, it also came to Game Pass. So I was playing on PC. Uh, I assume you usually play on PC. Do you play on PC? I or usually mobile? play on PC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you tried the mobile version? I have not. Okay, because I kind of wonder what uh, the big difference is. Um, since uh, when you're online, if you're not in another voice chat or something like we were in Discord, so it kind of worked. But if you're not, then it it uh, has a fair amount of typing, and I wondered how that would go in. Uh, 
on the Switch version, because typing on the Switch is not ideal. Uh, so, but I haven't played it on Switch, so... I, I'm not I sure. feel like the game is best played with voice chat, anyway. Yeah. It's best played with ten people. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the game, but I've six-player games tend to get pretty easy after a while. Yeah, I felt like there was very few times where the uh, imposter actually won while we were going through. So that's interesting to... Because I was kind of wondering if it was different with more people or uh, more... Because if you have more people, you can also have more imposters too. So that could add, you know, another layer of depth to it, I thought. Uh, But it's uh, really a kind of a cool game. Just as an idea, because like back in high school, we used to play Werewolf, and before that, I played Mafia with my cousins and stuff, which is the same thing as Werewolf, which is the same thing as uh, Among Us. It, you know, it's like there's one person who nobody knows who it is, and then you come up with uh, bullshit stories of why you were in this place at at this time, and it's uh, it's you know, it's like, a, well, I, it's a fun idea. I was doing the card swipe kind of thing. Right, yeah, uh, which was my bullshit thing that didn't end up saving me. <laughs> I was trying to swipe my card. Uh, yeah, because I, I couldn't remember where you swiped your card, so I I told everybody that I was in navigation, and I was like, oh, I don't know which room is navigation, which room is which, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, my brother Tim called me out on it. He's like, wait a minute, the card swipe isn't in navigation, it's in wherever it is, yeah. So I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know which one is which. I yeah, I'm new at this game, <laughs> which was true, but at the same time, it's like, uh, you actually called me out at being kind of creative because I had you know figured out to, uh, you know, come up with a cool story before a lot of players do. So that was kind of I was like, oh yeah, I'm so cool, big dick energy. I I am glad that we were. I, I forget if we caught you that game or if we caught you a different game. I think you caught me all two or three times that I was the... I, I don't think I ever won as the uh, dude. Yeah. And but I, I, I think also... that round I got away because of my bullshit. Because, like, Tim was skeptical yeah. of me and everybody else was like, uh, no, that checks out. That 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 makes sense. And, and, and we lynched somebody else or something. <laughs> what I found funny was that... Uh because all three of my imposter rounds at the end of that session were at the end, I won two of them. Right, and then I was on to your uh, bullshit the third bullshit, time. Where you were like killing the person and then immediately reporting the corpse yourself. <laughs> yeah, like like, wait a minute, Chris keeps telling us he found a corpse and then being the imposter. <laughs> Or, or the time I was like, asshole. hey, I found, a, I found a dead body right by Sean. Sean killed the guy. Right, and I was like, at that point, I legitimately was just trying to figure out a minigame, and the minigame was in my face, and I had no clue that there was even a dead guy next to me. I was like, no, it wasn't me, and then threw me out the airlock, the turds. <laughs> uh, I love, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for those social deduction games. Yeah. It's it's uh for what it is it's super unique. I'm I'm glad that glad that I uh uh you know 
got it on Game Pass finally. I was going to get it because it was on Switch anyway, so I'm a little extra glad that I got it for free, you know, because I'm subscribed. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I would gladly pay five bucks for that experience, even if that's the only time I ever play it. Yeah. So, there we go. Well, that was uh, that was the last game on both of our lists. Yeah. Do we want to wrap up for the night? Just I was thinking uh, we might, because uh, we've we've actually gone quite a bit over our normal time. We're already over two hours, and uh, we haven't touched our table topic. So, we could... <sighs> We could maybe take our uh, table topic and uh, spring it forward till next week when we'll have David on here. He might get a kick out of that one. It's a funny topic is we were going to talk about what are the best dice and uh, whether or not games are better that use more dice or if it's better to simplify and use less different types of dice or even less total dice. Because I I think it'll be an interesting conversation either way because – there's a lot of different systems out there and some of them are like, oh yeah, that- we use one die. Some of them are like, we use all of the dice and some of them are like, we use 8 million D6s, but nothing else. So <laughs> there's a lot so, of diversity yeah, there. Be, so yeah, check out topic. that uh, next week on a Drink to the Past. And, uh, is that Dylas Morris, Dave, uh, or is this another Dave? Which Dave? Dylas Morris. Dylas Morris is uh, David who hangs out with us occasionally. It's not that Dave. Which Dave is this? Um, you know David. Uh, singing Skeleton in my Pirates campaign. Oh. Yes. Yes, you know him. So we are talking about the same person. Are we? When were we talking about him? When you said he might be on next week. No. Oh, David. <laughs> David Wayne Nystrom is a fan fiction writer over at ZeldaDungeon.net. That oh. David. Uh, oh. So he was on He was on with us once or twice now, I think. Uh, and I, I was looking around for other guests for the start of the year, and I didn't find anybody for this week, but uh, he said he'd plan on it next week. So hopefully we'll have uh, David on here next week. Uh, he's a... He's a fun dude. Uh, you can check out his work on ZeldaDungeon.net, and uh, as well, he will theoretically soon actually have his uh, book out in the open, I think. So, uh, yeah, he's a fun guy. Uh, look up Dave Wayne 9 on Twitter, and uh, uh, give him a follow. Fun dude. Okay. <clears throat> And until then, we have been a drink to the past. So thank you for joining us as always. Uh, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. You got, oh no, I'm Spamo Man. That's, that's, that, that's it. Because I'm the, doing the internet thing. Right. I forgot about that because I drank a lot of booze in the middle. So uh, I am Spamo Man, your host of Drink to the Past, and this is my co-host. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, we talked about current events for a bit. You can find that at the start of the podcast audit. Yeah, normally uh, we won't do that, name. but, uh, you know. Yeah, it was very special circumstances. Probably, hopefully the specialist will ever encounter in our life. Yeah. Uh, you can find five cataclysms on both itch.io and DriveThruRPG. I wrote some stuff for it. My co-author wrote some stuff for it that you have to pay money for, but that's worth it. You can pick my stuff up for pay what you want, including free. You can pick his stuff up for money. 
uh, pick up either of our things, pick his stuff up for me because it's good, and my stuff is also good. So. Yeah, check it out. I, I'm getting lazy about this plugging thing. Right. And, of course, you can find my stuff over on uh, twoguysplayingzelda.com and tgpzgaming.com. Uh, TGPZ Gaming, I recently put up a review of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, uh, which has uh, spoilers, but only in a particular section, which has a spoiler warning. So if you want to check out a review of that without spoilers, you can just skip over the story section of my review and uh, check it out. Um, and I also am working on the Two Guys Playing Zelda Awards, which will be all of our favorite and least favorite games for the year 2020, which has been a, that's a, a really fun thing I put together every year is I get all the uh, Two Guys Playing Zelda writers together and uh, have them vote on their favorite games and categories like we did on our podcast uh, last month. And uh, that's always a fun time. And as well, I'm also working on a uh, article uh, regarding uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice and its importance to gaming because that is a surprisingly uh, important step that I think gaming has taken recently and I don't think that that's highlighted enough. So uh, look out for that on tgpzgaming.com coming soon and uh, until then we will catch you next time. So now we come to the part of the podcast where we just talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward and I cut off the podcast. So I am going to go kill these bow guys. Okay. Uh, well, how's your week been? Not too bad. Other than... Um, the thing. Yeah. Uh, personally, I haven't done much. Went back to work this week, which has been interesting. Um, not terrible, but now I have a lot less gaming time suddenly. So, uh, you know, there's that, but you know, yeah. what, you, what you going to do? It's, it is what it is. You know, got to work at some point. Um, let, let me see. Escorting kids to, escorting children to school. Yeah. God, that sound that sounded weird the way I said that. Yes. Uh, yes, it did. The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Lots of things. Nice. I can move this guy all the way up here. That's great for me. I'm going to attack this bow guy. Uh, Were you able to recruit that guy? I was, yes. Uh, so, and, and it was totally just like, okay, I have nobody in my country. I guess I'll fight for you. It's so random. What a random fucking thing. I'm totally shipping them. They just got the hots for each other. And uh, now, let's see, this guy, I think. Roger, yeah. So Roger is uh, this uh, hunky redhead dude. Yeah, he's giving Roy a run for his money, isn't he? Uh, and uh, Sita, my Pegasus knight. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I don't know. His the lines of his face are kind of sliding off. Yeah, you think? Let's look at him again. See see how hunky he is. Okay. Um, Sita looks fine. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of get what you're saying. He's uh, he's not the hunkiest guy in this game. He, 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 he you know, he's no shopkeep. With that he's no shopkeep. Stone jaw. Shopkeep's jaw could kill, could break the spine of a of a feral animal. Here comes the crimson chin.
more guys I move into here, I might get attacked by a bunch of these guys, actually. This might be a terrible idea. Hmm. You're just trying to penetrate that corridor there. A little bit, and as well, kind of defend this area. I think maybe I'll keep my guys back now. Just defend here. And now I'll see if I remembered to send the other guys to the store yet. I did not. Hey guys, go to the store. Let's see. So I put several heel staves in the convoy for later use. So now I'm going to go buy more heel staves to actually use, and then I'm going to move my clerics up. They're called curates in this game, which is the same thing as a curates cleric. Because, probably because of religious reasons. Nintendo Maybe. of America yeah. censoring anything related to religion. Yeah, especially in the year 1990, might have been. Yeah. Vulnery. Yeah. Vulnerary. Yeah. Vulnerary. What the vulnerary? I don't know. When I started playing uh, Fire Emblem on the uh, Game Boy Advance, I I just could never remember what it was called, so I started calling it the glugger, because you glug it, and, and then your HP goes up. So I'm like, I need a glugger! Hold on, who's got a glugger? And then I'd figure out who had oh, one to, uh, to trade it. <laughs> the first thing that popped up when I searched glugger was Urban Dictionary. Oh my! <laughs> what the uh, fuck does Urban Dictionary have on the glugger? A woman with an addiction to having her throat fucked. <laughs> <laughs> 